visited a church this morning. I hope you felt welcome already. Welcome if no one's welcomed you yet. Welcome to Activate. We're going to start this morning with lifting our Lord's name in praise. So join with us. I welcome you to stand to your feet. Clap your hands if you want to. You've got great things planned 
days I'm gonna lift your name up high Cause you are worthy of all of the glory I'm gonna lift your name up high Sing it See 
desire. Thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you for your peace. Thank you, God. We honour you. We give you all glory. Have your way. Do what you want to, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to church this morning. Good to be in church together, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. You may be seated. How are we all on this lovely sunny out there? No. (laughs) Wonderful Sunday morning. (laughs) If you're here with us for the first time, we give you a special welcome. Today, we pray that you enjoy the gathering with us today and uh, please help yourself to a guest bag as you leave the auditorium. Guest bags are on your right. Please pick one up 
uh, and you can fill in a form if you'd like us to get to know you a little bit better and, uh, and otherwise enjoy the chalky inside. Enjoy our gathering together today. Great to have you here. Well, Sherrod and I just got back from India and Thailand yesterday. So, yep, thank you. It is fantastic to be safely home and with our, with our boys. Yes, God kept us safe on the roads. So we had time over in uh, Punjab uh, with the team over there. There is five, almost six uh, village churches uh, that have been uh, started from 20 years ago that Surinder first planted. Rex and Gail Cunningham, I just spotted you. <laughs> interrupted myself there, but welcome. It's lovely to see you there. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, where was I? <laughs> yeah, six churches in the Punjab. So it was fantastic to be there, uh, to see what they're doing, to see what uh, I've been hearing, and they, they finally got to meet me. They'd met Sheridan, they'd met my boys, and they were like, oh, you're real. <laughs> Sheridan's wife really does exist. So it was lovely to be with them. A highlight for me was to uh, lead a beautiful Indian lady to the Lord after I had uh, spoken in the, in the village there. So that was very, very special. And uh, we had Pam Wilson with us. Hey, Pam, how about you come up? Come, come. So Pam is the head of... Uh, school in the early childhood at Vision College. So uh, she uh, came and spent time with the early childhood teachers and the and the kids. How about you come too, Sheridan? So Sheridan was there. We had uh, Pastor Gary from Tokoroa, Activate Tokoroa. We had Pastor Andrew from Activate Raglan. And we had Pastor Richard from Activate Papakura. So we had, was it four? Is that right? One, two, three, four. Activate churches represented there together. We were an amazing team. Oh, I tell you. <laughs> so, Pam, do you want to share something? Yeah, I did go to India, and for lots of you that know me, you're like, seriously, she went. Um, because I'm always that person who, when they do the missions talk, is like, oh, yeah, I'm listening, but they're not really talking to me um, because that's for other people because I don't do mission stuff, I just give some money and other people do that. So yeah, um, but oh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. What an amazing experience that, um, yeah, as Jan said, I actually think we did have an awesome team. Um, the pastors were just amazing and because they were amazing, I had to really step up and go, sheesh, I can't be left behind. Um, so, yeah, it really stretched me outside of my comfort zone. Um, so, so much so. Um, the, I guess what stood out for me was the, the ladies over there. They are so incredibly faithful to, their, to our God. And any opportunity they get, they're up there, they, they are participating, they are wanting more and more and more. There's no, oh, is that me? God's calling me. There's no, oh, I wonder what the person beside me is doing. There's no, oh, what about my kids? They're up there for everything they can possibly get. And they are 
they really challenged me in terms of what, how we live and walk out our Christianity in New Zealand. Um, man, we've got a long way to go. So, um, yeah, very challenging. If you get the opportunity to, don't look at the floor when they're talking about missions um, because it's amazing. And to see what our church is offering over there too, you know, we sit here and we give our money and we pray, but to actually see what's being done with our money and, and prayers over there, far out. Awesome. So thank you for letting me go. And my kids. It was awesome having uh, Pam with us. Part, part, of what we're, part of what's happening over there is early childhood. And uh, they're using the early childhood um, centres as a way of getting credibility in the community and reaching the community. And uh, so this was the primary reason that Pam came, was to look at what they're doing and to see if uh, she could assist in any way going forward with uh, the quality of the program and also the techniques they use. So you spent a whole day, I think, with the teachers, teaching the teachers, and then a day modelling uh, what she had taught to the children. So I did notice when we said goodbye, that was not easy for you. Um, the kids and stuff are absolutely beautiful over there. The surprise to me this time was, because we're still in the relationship building stage, this is a long-term project, and Pastor Roger and, uh, Roger and Karen Carter have done an um, absolutely incredible job getting things up and running with Surrender. They just celebrated 20 years over there, and um, they've done an incredible job. They passed on the responsibility of the work to myself last year, and so now we look forward to the next 20 years, what God's going to do. And uh, it's my intention fully to come underneath what they're doing and to try and empower and equip the local guys so that in 20 years' time, they are more than self-sufficient. They're sending people. And uh, in no way do we want to impose our, our thoughts or anything else, our, our thought of direction on them. We want to serve them, come under them. And this time we really did see a breakthrough with the openness, particularly of Surrender. We had a, a pastor's meeting and we were training and Pastor Surrender really opened up to us. And if you would like something to pray about, pray for him because he's been at it for over 20 years. He can't just go away for a weekend like we do. He's been at it for 20 years. He is really, really tired. And my observation is that he's trying to his best to minister, to build a team and everything else, but he is really struggling with resource himself, both uh, leadership ability and understanding to build a team and also uh, spiritual knowledge. And so over this next period of time, we need to do everything we can to help resource him so that he can then resource his team. We don't want to go in and do it all for him. Although he did say if someone wants to go to India for six months, there's an opening. Um, but English is really hard for them because it's their second language. So it actually, when you spend a lot of time speaking in English with the likes of Pastor Surinder, that wears him out rather than energizes him. And uh, so we want to energize him. So my job now is to try and find some resource and that to help him going forward. But it really, really is encouraging what God is doing there. Also, Jan and I went to Thailand on the way home to see uh, Peter and Wow. And look, those guys are legends. They're going to be back here in March for a little bit. The youngest boy's going to university in Auckland. But Jan and I went with them and we, uh, we had a service in a village that 
Caleb Firth. Where is Caleb? Caleb's down the back there. How, how long ago were you there with the youth? Was that a year ago? One year ago? 18 months ago. Caleb was the first person in the history of the universe to preach the gospel in that village. And then we went and we're part of the church in that village that has happened since then. So that's pretty exciting. And that's what we're doing as part, part of our global mission. So can I encourage you that if you've promised to give money to global mission, I know we're with money coming in, we're well behind this year. What's been promised and what's come in, it really is changing the world, person by person. So I encourage you to, to make sure you so. Thanks. Fantastic. Yeah, that was interesting in that village, actually. All the ladies were wanting to rub my white arm. <laughs> it's like, oh, help me, Lord. <laughs> but they liked my white arm. <laughs> I think it was the first time for um, the majority, if not all of them, for to see a white woman. They'd seen white men, but a white woman. So that was incredibly special, amazing to be there. And to see, to be where, you know, we get the updates from them each month by email and to actually be there and see it in person, it was fantastic. And Caleb and there was all the youth that, had been there too, Alina and Geneva and everyone else that had been there, Nicole and everyone else that I'm missing out. They'd all been there before us, prepared the way. Fantastic. So the youth can go there, we can go there, you can go there too. Have a think about joining a team sometime. Okay, so next week, next week we've got a 10 a.m. gathering. Next week. So, kids, what time are we coming to church next week? Yes, at 10.30, you'll be way too late. So 10 o'clock next week, we're having a combined gathering from next week onwards. So no, no 9 a.m., no 10.30, 10 a.m. next week onwards until further notice, probably end of January uh, over the summer period. So the 9am'ers were just ecstatic about that. They're so excited about gathering with all, all of you and it's going to be great as a church family to gather together. 10am next week. Also, it is Thanksgiving gathering next week, so it's going to be awesome. And we got Thanksgiving uh, appreciation lunch for volunteers next Sunday. Also, if you've volunteered in any way whatsoever, during the year, we would love to feed you lunch next week down at the lake. So, but you do need to RSVP, otherwise we're not going to cater for you. So please RSVP by tomorrow and we can cater for you and that lunch may include some chicken. <laughs> may include some chicken. Please RSVP if you've volunteered, come to the lunch, but RSVP. That'd be Awesome. Okay, we've got to celebrate the birthdays before the kids go. So, who's had a birthday or an anniversary in the last week? Happy birthday. Today. Oh, happy birthday, Kaylin. Five. Oh, come on. That is awesome. Are you, when are you, have you started school? Or when do you start school? Next year. Awesome. How exciting. Come and stand with me. Should we pray? 
We've got more birthdays, more birthdays and anniversaries. Happy birthday. And Naomi today, it's Naomi's today as well. Wow, birthday mates. <laughs> Happy birthday, Naomi and Kaylin. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, church, let's stand and let's pray together. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favour, prosperity and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. (laughs) Happy birthday. Well, kids, you're practicing for the kids' production, is that right? It's all go, is it? Yeah, it's coming up. So have a fantastic morning, God. Oh, volunteers, and what? We need backstage volunteers for the Christmas production. See Ashley, Con- or contact the office. See Ashley, or contact the office. Backstage volunteers. That sounds like fun. Free lunch? No way! Free lunch and time with Ashley. Who wouldn't want to take up on that? So go and see Ashley for backstage volunteering. Kids Productions coming up 13th of December. Awesome. Well, we're going to have a baby dedication. Isn't that great? So, Hannah and Caleb and Levi and Ariel, come on up and bring all the family and friends. Sheridan, do you want to come and join me? How about you give them a hand? We're going to dedicate beautiful Ariel. Isn't that a gorgeous name? (laughs) Wonderful. All the family. Fantastic. Yes, squeeze on up. Come forward a little bit. Everyone comfy? Okay. I want to read first from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 7. It says, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. In other words, that's all the time. (laughs) Talk about the commands of the Lord. Love the Lord with all of your heart, your soul and your strength and commit yourselves to Him. I want to encourage you today, Caleb and Hannah, I want to encourage you to make sure that your children know that you're passionate for God. 
just like the Word says, talk about Him all the time. Make sure that they know that you're crazy about Him, but that also He's crazy about you. Pass that on to them. Engage regularly in in God topics with them. Seek God continually. Honour Him and obey Him and reflect His incredible goodness through your lives. And then your children will thank you for it, I am sure. I looked up uh, the meaning of Ariel, the meaning that I found, the Hebrew meaning, I'm guessing that you know, is Lion of God. Wow! Lion of God. And uh, Ariel Elizabeth, is that right? Yeah, so her middle name is Elizabeth, and that means the oath of God or the abundance of God. What a name! Lion of God, abundance of God. And so I want to declare that over Ariel today, that you know, her, the meaning of her name, Lion of God, abundance of God. That's incredibly powerful. And uh, as I was uh, praying for, for you guys and for Ariel, I really felt to um, encourage you to encourage her, to, the encouragement upon her life um, is a, a, a huge crucial thing in her life and that not to box her in by what maybe you might see or by the, the, the nature of her, the character of her, don't box her in by that but in, continually plant encouragement into her um, because I believe that she is going to get out of the box that she may you know sometimes we our character our nature go oh yeah she'll probably be like that or because maybe you know make you put things like maybe she's shy maybe she's this don't box that in but don't box her in continually encourage her encourage her in everything um because I believe that God wants to do something incredible in her life and I from Deuteronomy 138 it's talking about uh encouraging uh, Joshua, you know, um, Moses brings the people out of Egypt, but it's Joshua then that steps up to, to the mark and brings them into the promised land. And it, and it says, encourage him, encourage him, encourage Joshua. It's like we're passing the baton, encourage him, for he will. It goes on to say that. And then Deuteronomy 3, there was Deuteronomy 138. Then Deuteronomy 3, 28 it says, instead commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him. Encourage and strengthen Ariel. Encourage her and strengthen her. So I want to encourage you in that. Hmm. Encouragement. Yeah. So Caleb, would you like to? Oh, quick, just get this out. So just... I feel like God had a word for Ariel, so I thought I'd share it um, in faith. Um, And the word was uh, kinship, and I I was like, what's that about? Um, And just this idea of lineage and and how she's a child of Abraham and a child of the promise, which I just, yeah, um, I thought was cool. And I thought, I felt (laughs) uh, to declare... uh, something over your life, Ariel, that uh, in evangelism, um, uh, in, in a prophetic kind of grace over your life. Um, so it's, 
specifically someone who helps facilitate a connection of people with their Father in heaven. So that's what I felt. Um, and I just read the scripture. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars in the sky. I'll give them all these lands. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. That's Genesis 26, 4. And that was to Isaac. Well, do you think she'll come to me and we'll pray? And <laughs> Let's pray together. How about you? Ch- we stand together, church. Do this as a family, eh? God, I thank you for your beautiful, beautiful daughter. I thank you for Ariel. I thank you that she is, as her name declares, Lion of God, Abundance of God. And we declare that over her today. We thank you, God, that you have got incredible plans and purpose upon her life. And God, I declare your protection and your blessing upon her, God. We uh, dedicate her to you today, God, uh, to your plans and purposes for her life, Lord. I thank you for her family. I thank you for mom and dad. I'm so scary. (laughs) Thank you for mom and dad. Thank you. Pour out your blessing upon Caleb and Hannah and upon Levi, God. I thank you for them as a family unit. Thank you, God, for your wisdom upon them, God. I declare your wisdom upon them as parents, Lord. And thank you that they, uh, they look to you. They put you first. And so, so thank you that you would bless them, that you would protect them, uh, that you would bring about all of your plans and purposes for them as a family unit, God. Thank you for the, for the joy of um, adventure with you together. And so we declare blessing upon Ariel, upon Levi, and Caleb and Hannah, and the wider family. Thank you for them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Some other family members want to pray also. So Hannah's mum and Caleb's mum. I wasn't going to pray, but I was going to have a word for them. Um, as you heard that um, Ariel's second name is Elizabeth, and that um, Elizabeth is a family name and has been passed down for five generations. And so too has the Christian faith. Christ has been in the family, um, in the centre of the family for five generations. And I think in my family and grandfather's and I think on the other side, Caleb's family as well. And it reminded me of Paul encouraging Timothy in, in um, 2 Timothy in verse 1. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lewis and your mother Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. <clears throat> and um, Dad and I want to encourage um, you, Hannah and Caleb, in continuing the godly parents that you are, and to continue in your daily walk with Christ, and thus modelling and sharing your faith and love um, for Christ, and um, also with also modelling that love that Christ has for Levi and, and Ariel as well. And um, to continue in, in chapter 3, Paul, 
Paul was encouraging Timothy, but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know that you are, they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we were wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So, encourage It's quite overwhelming for us. I just want to acknowledge uh, the faithfulness of God. And um, as Hilda Marie said, you know, five generations, there's five generations on our side too. With Linda's grandparents, really loved the Lord. Her mother really loved the Lord and walked with the Lord. We loved the Lord. Caleb and Hannah loved the Lord. And um, Ariel. And um, so it's just, God's faithfulness, I just want to thank him today and thank him for his faithfulness and uh, we're just so privileged to be in a family that uh, that loves the Lord and we just expect Ariel to grow up in that too but she has to make her own choices as every one of us have to make and uh, we just uh, will do everything we can to encourage her and uh, I expect to see God really move in her life. I just wanted to, um, I've been praying for Ariel for the last few months. We were asked to be her godparents, which is a um, real honour to Jason and I. And um, the word I had, I just wanted to back you up, Caleb, was that she's going to be a fire a lighter and enlighten a passion in people, a passion for life and a passion for God. And that um, I also saw the out of the box. I saw that Ariel was really creative and she's going to be someone who carries in leadership of creativity and she will do things differently. Um, and that might be a challenge for you at home, but um, she will be a creative um, a child. And I, as I prayed this morning, I thought that's the legacy that you guys have actually given her passion and creativity is something that both of you as your parents carry and, um, and she will carry it in a different way. It'll be Ariel's way, um, but she'll carry that legacy that you've given on to her. Wonderful. Is there anyone there? No. Fantastic. Let's give the family a hand. church family we're going to continue in our worship so how about we stand and let's open up our lives to him let's give of him our very best this morning built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest fray 
put holy trust in Jesus' name. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest rain. Trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone, the cornerstone, the weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord. Lord Darkness seems to hide his face. I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within. Savior's love through the storm. 
through the storm. Oh, He is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord of Lords. We will walk through the storm with You, Lord. Never alone. We're never alone. Holy Spirit, we thank You for Your gifts. We thank You for the fruit of the Spirit. We thank You that we don't have to live in envy and jealousy and bitterness and hatred, but that You've gifted us with the biggest gifts. Peace, forgiveness, love for one another. Father, may we walk in the fruit of the Spirit. May we choose to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. May we choose to open that gift daily and take of that as opposed to the opposite, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. There's nothing worth more that would ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. Oh, I've tasted. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of love when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are well. and fill the atmosphere your glory God is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence Lord Holy Spirit you are welcome here come flood this place and fill the atmosphere Oh 
just become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness you're so good oh holy spirit you are welcome here come flood this place and fill the atmosphere your glory god is what our hearts long for to be I encourage you to really open yourself up before God this morning. You know, we look at the news and Paris and Kenya and Mali and these other places, and I really do sense there's a rising fear, even in our nation. But in the presence of God, there is no fear. A revelation of His perfect love casts out all fear. And let's take just a, a few moments now. I encourage you, really open yourself before Him. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would minister peace to people this morning. In Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, release a revelation this morning of your love, I pray. That would send any fear packing in Jesus' name.
Father, as Ray preaches the word this morning, I ask that you would use him to deposit purpose in our hearts. Father, that you would use him to deposit courage in our hearts, that our kingdom focus would grow, would be expanded. That something this morning, and as Ray preaches, would be deposited that would give us some grit, some backbone to stand in our culture today and proclaim Jesus Christ. Touch your church this morning, Holy Spirit. Touch your church, I pray. And Father, we think of, Lord, people around the globe. We know of Paris, Mali, Kenya, Lebanon, Lord, other areas. Father, we lift, Lord, these places to you. Father, I pray you'd comfort those that mourn through the loss of loved ones. Lord, you'd be with those that are in hospital, Lord, as they recover. Father, I pray your grace would fill these communities with the goodness of God. Father, I thank you that good is greater than evil. Father, we declare that your goodness to reign your goodness to be manifested, that evil would be stamped out in the name of Jesus, exalted, the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, as the waters would cover the sea, so the glory of the Lord would cover the earth. Father, indeed, let it be. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Well, God bless you, church. Take a seat. It's wonderful to have Pastor Sheridan and Jan back home. Let's give them a warm hand. And it's wonderful to hear of their wonderful time in India and in Thailand. Well, this morning I'm going into Philippians chapter 2. So we've been looking at the book of uh, Philippians and uh, where Paul writes a letter to the church of Philippi, the first church planted in Europe. So it's a very special church, and, and Paul raves about this church. He goes around the world telling everybody, Philippi, man, that is the place to be. These are the most generous believers that I know, even when they don't have a lot of money, they give. And he starts the opening of his letter, and I'm just going to briefly recap in Philippians 1, and he says, every time I think of you, every time... Oh, you know, you don't want me to sing, do you? Okay. No, no. Every time I think of you, I give thanks. Paul says, every time I think of you, I thank God for you. Isn't it a wonderful thing to say about a group of people? Every time I think of you, I give thanks. Here's a challenge. Every time you think of your family, do you give thanks? Or do you think maybe of what they've done wrong, what they haven't done? When Paul thinks of his family at Philippi, he says, I give thanks. Things didn't always go well for Paul and Philippi. In fact, he was booted out of the city by the city officials. He was imprisoned. In fact, he'd been imprisoned for four, journey, four years, starting from Jerusalem to where he finds himself now in Rome chained to one of the elite imperial guards 24 hours a day. And he writes this letter to the Philippians 
every time I think of you, I give thanks. Then he concludes the letter in chapter 1 and verse 29, and he says, We have the privilege of not only trusting in God, but also the privilege of suffering for Christ. And so I want to sum up uh, chapter 1 really is the, the chapter of the two T's. The first T is give thanks. And the second T is trust God. Give thanks and trust God. Trusting God when things are going well is, that's good. We can all do that. But when things go tough and challenges confront us and storms assail us, to trust in God takes some real grit. And often believers, when we are challenged with difficulties, with sicknesses, with financial pressures, with health pressures, be it for ourselves or family members or close friends, some believers take a moralistic approach and they'll go, I'm not good enough. That's why this is happening. If I prayed a little bit more, if I read the word a little bit more, if I went to church a little bit more, then maybe this wouldn't happen. What they're really saying is, I'm not good enough. And then there's another response. I call it the cynical response. You see this with non-believers when tragedy happens. And they go, well, if God was good enough, if God is good, then that wouldn't have happened. And here's the thing. Neither of those responses are helpful. And if you respond in either one of those, I want to give you a different pathway. This is what the Bible says. God is good. The Bible says God is good. Whether you think you're not good enough or whether the cynic thinks God is not good enough, the Bible says God is good. So here's the response. Rather than saying I'm not good enough or God's not good enough, because God is good, therefore I trust him. From 1 Genesis to the end of Revelations, the Scripture is saying, trust me. When you can make sense of it, trust me. When you can't make sense of it, trust me. Hold on and trust me. When the finances are not working, trust me. When health and sickness confront us, trust me. When relationships break down, trust me. That's what the Apostle Paul signs off. Philippians 1, trust me. He opens it with giving thanks and he concludes it with trust. One of the things I've discovered, the pathway from thanks to trust is a really important one. And uh, I want to really encourage this church to be a people that are quick to be thankful. That are on the front foot of thanksgiving. Psalm 118 verse 1 says, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. Why does it say that? As our hearts are thankful, as our hearts are open to God, we can see something that maybe our eyes have never seen before. God is good. And as we begin to develop thankfulness, our gaze is upon him, and we know and believe and trust him that he's good. And so when storms assail us, the place we can go, well, I know you're good, Lord, so therefore I trust you. I trust you. One of the things I've learned from trusting God is God wants to learn how, He wants me to express how I feel. 
in um, the 9 a.m. gathering this morning, we read, or uh, 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 um, Psalm 38 was read to us. It's a pretty morbid, heavy psalm where David is just gushing out his heart and, and how tough life is. And, and it sounds heavy, and it is. But there's something in it that I, I have found very comforting. And I, I look over my own life and some of the, the storms I've been through. And one I remember in particular, opening up the Scriptures, and there was a promise that I believe the Lord had for me. And I'll share how I responded. It was, this is what I did. I said, God, your word says it. I gushed out how I felt, and I demand that you meet it. There you go, God. You meet it. You've said it, and I'm not moving until you do it. And after sort of expressing that depth of emotion, I felt this whisper in my spirit saying, well, finally, I've been waiting for that. I've been waiting for it. God wants to hear the depths of our heart because it's my statement that I trust in you, God. I trust you. And so that's how the Apostle Paul signs off Philippians 1. And so we spoke about that last time. What I didn't say was how we can practically outwork that with people that are struggling. So I call it the four P's to help people that are struggling, be it through sickness, relationship breakdowns, financial stresses, whatever it might be. Here are four Ps as a whole church that I want to put us our weight behind to do. The first P is do something practical. It might be as simple as, can I bring around a cup of coffee? Can I cook you a meal? Can I mow your lawns? You might even write a letter. I remember when my mum died about 30 years ago, there was a letter sent to me by a family friend who I didn't know that well. And it was the most beautiful letter. I still have it. And I go, something simple, something practical, and I still remember it. Isn't that awesome? The second P is be present. Simply be present. That doesn't mean you need all the answers. doesn't mean you have to say a whole lot. It's just being present with somebody. Your presence is powerful. It really, really is. When you come alongside somebody and are there to support them, your presence carries something. It carries comfort. It carries support. Now here's some things to say and here's some things not to say. First of all, what not to say. Don't say, well, I've been through a worse situation. You think yours is bad? You should see mine. Don't say that. It's just not smart. Don't criticize. Don't criticize others. Be there. You don't have to say a lot. And at the end of the conversation, they'll go, thank you for everything you said. And you go, I didn't say a thing. <laughs> you were present. Thirdly, be positive. When you're supporting people, you need to be positive around them. That doesn't mean you've got the answers. But I shared in the 9 a.m. of a story of a lady I was talking to very recently whose son was very, very ill uh, as a baby. This was 20 years ago. And a doctor would come and visit them regularly. And it's not as though the doctor cured or, or the problem was solved because their son still struggles in this particular area. But the doctor said something very positive. 
I can tell this, is baby, this baby is well cared for. Today, she still remembers those words. Isn't that awesome? Something positive. And the fourth P is pray. Come alongside and pray. Pray the comfort, the peace, the healing, the grace, the goodness of God. Share the love of God through prayer and His Word. And one of the things I enjoy when I go back home, hold it, and then I can hold the situation before the Lord and continue to pray. So that closes Philippians 1. Is that okay? Okay, so some practical things on that. So we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2. And uh, this is all building healthy, happy relationships. And Paul starts off um, this chapter with four statements. They're rhetorical statements. The rhetorical statement or a question is really a question that doesn't demand an answer, but it makes a point. You know, we, we get the gist of it. You know, my teenage sons, they come home and they open the fridge and it's full of food. And I can tell they're saying there's nothing in there. And I'll say this rhetorical question. How long are you going to keep looking in that thing for? And I'm not expecting an answer like five minutes and 34 seconds. Because I'll give them five minutes and 34 seconds. But I'm making a, a, a point, which is close the fridge door. And so there's other rhetorical questions. Positive ones like, is the sky blue? We go, yes, of course. We wouldn't say it, but we'd say, yeah, of course it is. It's the soul city. The soul city. It's the sea salty. Wow. Is the sea salty? Yes, of course it is. <laughs> is the sky blue? Yes, of course it is. So these rhetorical questions draw this response. Yes, of course. And uh, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, yes, of course. Yes, of course. Do you look fine this morning? Yes, of course. Looking forward to the Christmas holidays? Yes, of course. Yeah. So the Apostle Paul opens Philippians 1 with four rhetorical questions. And we're going to respond with yes, of course. So here's the first one. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Yes of, yes, of course there is. Of course there is. That word encouragement means paraclete, to come alongside. So of course there is. The second rhetorical question, is there any comfort from his love? Yes, of, of course. The third one, is there any comfort, uh, sorry, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Yes, of course. And there's a fourth one coming, but we're just going to camp here at these first three. Notice, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Is there any comfort from his love? That's the agape, love of the Father. So we've got Christ and the Father. Is there any fellowship together in the Spirit? So Paul is outlining here, not only going, yes, of course, but we're agreeing with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who are the model of perfect harmony and unity in relationships. And of course we go, yes, of course he is. Isn't that wonderful that our God is totally, infinitely unified and harmonious? They don't get out of bed in the morning and say, who's moved the coffee table or the TV remote? 
absolutely harmonious. So the fourth rhetorical question is, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Oh, <laughs> just a little. Let's do that again. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Yes. yes. Who's been tenderized? <laughs> of course. The, these four statements, I almost describe them as like it's been on autopilot. We know them, and when we're reminded of them, of course, we go, yes, of course. There's lots of things we agree on. We agree that we drive on the left-hand side of the road. We just do it. Of, of course we do it. It's just, just what we do. We, um, so we're familiar with this. So Paul is laying this platform of agreement for something that he wants to hit the ball on the park out of. And this is what um, he goes on to say. Because you agree on these four things, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. When I read that, I go, then make me truly happy. I think of... Um, would go on, make my day. <laughs> I could imagine Pastor Sheridan just saying, go on, make my day by agreeing wholeheartedly with one another. We should do that. Make one another's day by agreeing wholeheartedly with one another. So unity is a bit of an issue in the church of Philippi. Do you know that in many ways, Paul holds up Philippi as the church it's, you know, he talks in the Corinthians about these guys are amazing, they're so generous. But guess what? There isn't a perfect church. You, you knew that. There isn't a perfect church. And as good as the church at Philippi was, it's not perfect. And Paul goes on to say, I want to address something in your church or the church of Philippi that's important, and it's this whole thing of unity, being one. Isn't that good? Being at one together. So Paul goes on and says, as he gets into this, and I'm going to ask you shortly, so be prepared for this, and I need lots of enthusiastic answers on what we agree on. But I'm going to just cover a few things. Why is unity important? Well, here's a few thoughts. This is not exhaustive. Unity is important because it honors God. It honors God. God is unified as one God in three persons, and it honors Him when we're in unity with one another. Unity is the key ingredient for effective teamwork. Can you imagine the All Blacks in the World Cup final against England, and they're putting the scrum down? Here they go, and they're all set. And Richie McCall gets up and goes, well, this is my 148th game. I'm going to be retiring soon. Ah, oh, no, I'll just watch these guys do it. I'm just going to pull back. Ah, oh, you guys go for it. The crumb, the, the scrum, the crumb, the scrum would crumble. <laughs> I think I've had a late night or something. <laughs> but you're one with me, right? It's okay. <laughs> the crumb would scrumble. <laughs> At least I know what I mean. <laughs> the crumb of the scrum. So here they are. Richie's there. <laughs> it's good to go to church for a laugh, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So um, <laughs> unity is a key ingredient, <laughs> uh, ingredient for effective teamwork. Uh, unity is not accidental. It's intentional. 
And this is what the Apostle Paul is doing. He's saying, you agree on these things. These are almost automatic. But now I'm going to turn into the territory of intentionality and determination. And that's what Paul is saying, right? We're, we're on autopilot with this stuff. But now we're going to be intentional. We are going to be determined. And we are going to be focused on where we're going. Isn't that a good thing? So that means when we take the scrum model, we're all on the scrum. Every one of us, we're in the scrum together. doesn't mean one pulls off and goes, oh, I don't think you're doing a very good job pushing today. We're all in there. We're all adding our weight for the cause of the gospel. We're all adding our weight for the purposes of God with one mind and one heart. So unity is not an accidental. It is intentional. We are determined about it. And unity means the main thing is kept the main thing. We don't uh, get caught up in the minors. And God expects unity because he models it. So Paul goes back onto that statement again. So make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. So I want to ask you some questions. What are some of the things that we can and do agree wholeheartedly on? Can you give me some things, please? Jesus, yep. Yes, all Scripture is God-inspired. Anything else? God is good. We agree on that. Very good answer. Anything else we agree on? Salvation in Christ, yep. Pardon? Well, that's very nice, Nari. Thank you. Oh. So, look, there's lots of things we can agree on. But Paul says wholeheartedly agree on loving one another. Isn't that a good thing to agree on? I really enjoy it when you love me. Wendy really enjoys it when I love her. We enjoy to be loved on. We enjoy to give love. Paul is saying, be on the same page of loving one another. He goes on to be on the same page, working together with one mind and one purpose. And church, I really want to encourage us to be on one page of one mind and one heart together. So here are some things we can do that. Yes, we're in one heart and one mind of loving one another. We were in one heart and one mind when we go and do the community mucking day. Wasn't that awesome? When we all put our shoulder to the cause and go, we're all in here expressing the goodness of God in our community. Isn't that good? What about doing this? Putting all our weight and our support, coming and praying together once a month. Putting my weight behind that. Not leaving, not standing back and saying, oh yeah, that's all right for you guys. Yeah, good work, guys. I'm binding in, pressing on, knitted into what God is calling us to do. What about knitting in, binding in, being of one heart and one mind in small groups for 2016? Isn't that good? So those four Ps, practical, present, positive, prayer, you can do in close-knit community because you're knitted together we're putting our weight behind small groups. Isn't that a good thing? And so can I really encourage you, if that's something you know that you want to be involved in, would love to lead a small group, see Pastor Jan after the service. She would love to hear from you. But putting our weight behind that, 
putting our weight to proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. It's something as a church we need to go, yes, I proclaim the name of Jesus. I proclaim the gospel of Jesus. Paul says this in Romans 15, verses 5 and 6. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give to you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul goes also in, in, on to say in Ephesians 4, 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So Paul is appealing to the church in Philippi, be one. The sense of being unified, wholeheartedly, loving one another, working together with one mind and one purpose. Isn't that a good thing? What about this? We all put our bind together, working for whenever, wherever, being like Jesus. As a whole church, we put our weight behind that. As a whole church, as I said before, we put our weight into small groups. As a whole church, we put our weight into sharing the good news of Jesus. One heart, one mind. But as perfect as the church at Philippi was, and as generous as they were with their finances, Paul says, you still lack. And it's in this area of agreement, this area of unity. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 2, he writes these words to two women. Now I appeal to Euodia and Syntyche, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. We don't know what their disagreement was. Maybe they came to church in the same dress. I don't know. Maybe they didn't like the youth program. Maybe they didn't like the color of this or that. Maybe they didn't like um, the way that their life group programs work. I don't know. We don't know what the disagreement was, but we do know that Paul has this big idea, and the big idea is to be one. One heart, one mind, one purpose, being unified. Going back to the rugby analogy, you can just imagine the All Blacks playing against Australia in the World Cup final. And as I said, Richie McCaw and maybe Kieran Reid say, no, we're just going to step back. The opposition are just going to mow over them. It's all over. Because they're not playing as one. The moment they say, yep, we're all on this pack together, every man, every woman, every child is adding their weight to this cause, now we can win the game. Now we're on song for the winning touchdowns. Isn't that awesome? Agreeing. We're on the autopilot, but we now need to be intentional in our agreement and determined in our agreement. That's what Paul is expressing as the big idea to these guys. When I talk about agreement, I don't need, mean we need to agree on everything. The miners are the miners. We don't need to agree on the styles of music. We don't need to agree on what sort of food we eat or our interests or political affiliations. But we do need to agree on the central things of our faith. Agreement, unity is incredibly powerful. 
The psalmist wrote in Psalm 133, how good it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It goes on to conclude at the end of that chapter, there, and I believe God is sitting on the edge of his seat, going, I'm waiting for this. I'm waiting for people that are one. I'm waiting for them to be unified because I'm going to command my blessing. Life and life forevermore. Isn't that good? So Paul goes on to say, <clears throat> unity is central for the church. Being of one mind and one purpose. But guess what? If there's one mind and one purpose, there's 101 distractions. And here are some of the distractions. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Don't try to impress others. Reminded me of that song from Shania Twain. You don't impress me much. <laughs> well, I said to my, to my children last night, I'm going to you know, mention this when I'm preaching. They said, Dad. I said I could sing it. I'm like, Dad, that's just, it's so old school. So there we go. I can tell them that I actually said it. So you don't impress me much. Don't try to impress others. You know, God has created you in his image. We need to be comfortable in that. Rather than trying to recreate the image of what others or what we think others want it to be, God is saying, I've created you in the image that I've designed for you. So Paul says, don't be selfish, don't try to impress. And then he says, here's the key. Here's the key that unlocks real unity in any church. Here's the key that unlocks unity in a rugby team. Here's the key that unlocks unity in a marriage. Here's the key that unlocks unity in a family. Here it is. This is what he says. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Isn't that amazing? Be humble. Not thinking of yourself more, not thinking of yourself less than what you ought to, but thinking less about yourself and more about others. Amos said in Amos chapter 3, 3, can two walk together except they be agreed? That takes the humility. Humility is a real key thing that we need to be focused on. We'll say a little bit more about that a little bit later on. Thinking of others better than yourselves. And he goes, don't look out only for your own interests, but also taking an interest in others too. When I was a young kid, I used to, um, with my dad, when my parents would go up to Waipakarau and see my auntie, my dad's sister. She was an elderly lady. I always found her really nice. And I remember coming away in the car, and this happened every time that I can remember visiting Auntie Marge. And my dad would go, his hands like this, I just can't take it. I just can't take it any longer. All she does is talk about herself constantly. She never asks the question how things are going for me. She just tells me about herself. And it's the same record over and over and over and over and over and over again. And then my dad would look at me. Now let me tell you something, young man. Conversations like a game of tennis. The ball goes backwards and forwards. Talk a little about you. Ask a little about them. And play the game and you'll have a good conversation. And I've never forgotten that. And so, but take an interest in others. So it's a good audit to do. When you converse with people, is it all about you or are you interested also 
in them. It's a practical thing about building harmonious uh, relationships that are based good on unity. So then you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. We're going to look at this. But before we go there, the opposite we know of, pride, of humility is pride. And pride will take you down a, for a ride that's going to end up in a place that's just, it promises to be good, but the outcome of it is lousy. And it's lousy for a number of reasons. One of the main reasons in, in James chapter 4, the Lord says, or God, the scriptures say, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Isn't that an interesting statement? If you want to be on a path uh, like this with God, function in pride. God says, I resist the pride, but I give grace to the humble. I had a real test on this a week ago. Wendy and I were on our way to Masterton for a wedding, Wendy's nephew. We're going to be away next weekend at her other nephew's wedding. And we stopped at the south end of the Manawatu Gorge in a lovely cafe. It's called the Balance Bridge Cafe. It's lovely. It's really, really nice. And so we were enjoying um, some drinks and a nice meal there. And we were debating which way we are going to head to Masterton. I knew there were some shortcuts on the back roads, and I said to Winnie, I'm going to take the back roads. And she said, they're longer. We should get on the main highway. And I said, no, they're not. They're shorter. Well, I couldn't believe the next thing that happened. I was floored. She spoke to the manager and said, what is the shortest way to Masterton? The manager said, the main highway. I, I just couldn't believe it. I thought, can you please help me? So <laughs> as I was driving out of that car park and I was thinking about today, am I going to take the shortcuts on the back ways or am I going to take the main highway? I'm sorry, guys. I took the main highway. <laughs> I'm going to test it out next weekend. I can let you know how it goes. <laughs> Oh, dearie me. <laughs> anyway, it will be fun. I think of humility and, 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 and some people that come to mind is, is you know, Jonah Lomu, who's passed away this week. I think a tremendous example who displayed humility and repped the honour that came with that. I heard a wonderful story, which I'm sure he would have never told anybody, but of a, um, a young boy that was watching him and a friend play golf at the driving range. And at the end of their time there, Jonah just picks up his golf clubs and gives them to this young boy. I just think a wonderful story of humility and generosity. So Paul goes on and says, the key to our unity and it's something that's vital for us to reach the mission and the destiny that God has for us. Is this key that is of humility. And throughout Philippians 1, Paul raises himself as an example. He says, you know, be like me in these areas. But for the example of humility, he doesn't point to himself. He doesn't point to another person. He points to Jesus as the greatest example of humility. Good catch, eh? <laughs> so this is what he says. 
Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the highest to the place of highest honor, and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Isn't that a fabulous piece of Scripture? Gordon Fee, a well-known theologian, says, Humility is the proper estimation of oneself before Creator God. And here's the estimation utterly dependent and trusting on God. Utterly dependent and trusting on God. Here's Jesus of the very same essence of God. And chooses to empty himself of his royal or his uh, godly uh, privileges and prerogatives and humbles himself. He makes himself low to become a human and then takes the lowest form in society, which is a slave. You've got to imagine that Philippi was a place where retired army generals lived. So elitism, the elite, was very central to this community. And here's the Apostle Paul talking about humility and a slave. You couldn't get the gap any wider. Humility in the time of Paul was considered a weakness. And Jesus says, I take on the form of a human. But more than that, I take on the form of a slave. And in the Greco-Roman thought, a slave had no rights they were at the, the whims of their master to do whatever the master said, to take whatever beatings the master said, even to be killed by the master. Jesus humbles himself to this level. And he dies on the cross. And it's not just any death. The cross, generally speaking, wasn't for Roman citizens, unless you'd done something really nasty like treason or mass-murdered people. But it wasn't for Roman citizens. It was for non-Roman citizens. In primary, it was for criminals and it was for slaves. The cross was for slaves. So Jesus took upon himself, became a slave, died a criminal's death on the cross. Why did he do that? As the Apostle Paul said, don't look out for your own interests. Look out for the interests of others. Jesus was looking out for your interest and my interest. I love what Hebrews 12 says, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured this cross, despising its shame. Here's the thing when Jesus, you know, um, with the joy set before him, Jesus just wasn't going, oh, yeah, this is a nice joy. This is good. He sees you and me in the church and he's going, yes! That's the joy that I'm waiting for. I am so hopeful. I am so excited. I am so confident in my joy that I'm even going to despise the shame of this cross. 
Isn't that awesome? Jesus humbled himself. He humbled himself to the Father's will. He humbled himself to be in perfect unity with the Father. And Christ, being equal with God, gave up his prerogative to become a slave, that we can be one with him. Isn't that awesome? And because of Christ's amazing example of humility, Paul says, don't look for me for humility. Look to Jesus. He is the example who lowered himself, who was yielded totally to the Father to do and say whatever he said to do and say. And I believe this is our gift to the Lord in true humility is to join the scrum. So I'm putting my weight in. I am putting my weight. I'm not being a spectator. I'm adding my weight. I'm going to pray. I'm going to show the goodness of God. I'm going to do those four Ps. I'm going to be committed to this place. I'm adding my weight to make a difference for the cause of the good news of Jesus Christ. And central to that is saying, Lord, I humble myself before you and I place my trust and my dependency totally and utterly in you. Amen. We're going to finish there and we're going to pick up part two next time because it's a great, great part two. Amen. Well, you're a good church. Well, I reckon if the Apostle Paul was here, he'd go around the world and say, you know that Activate Church? They're awesome. They're absolutely awesome. He'd be telling everywhere around the world. So let's put our weight together, amen? Can I ask us why every eye um, is closed and every head is bowed? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement from the Apostle Paul. Thank you for the example to live a life of thanksgiving and to live a life that we absolutely trust and have our dependency on you. And So Father, we come before you, Lord, and we truly do humble ourselves and acknowledge that, Lord, our absolute dependence and trust is upon you. And Lord, I thank you for the wonderful model, the wonderful example of Jesus Christ himself who went to the cross as a criminal and took our punishment and paid the price that we might have life and life to the full. And if you're here this morning, if you don't have relationship with Jesus Christ, if you haven't responded to this wonderful news to have your sins washed away and to stand in the presence of God, to be the joy um, that Jesus spoke about that was set before him, while every eye is closed and every um, head is bowed, if you're saying, yes, I want to be in a relationship with Jesus this morning, can you raise your hand? I'd just love to be in agreement with you. Okay, that's cool. Father, I thank you for our time together. And Father, I pray that as a church, we'll step to the plate, we'll put our weight to the scrum, and Lord, work for your purposes and for your glory to see your goodness displayed in our community that whenever and wherever 
we're like Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ray. Fantastic word. We need to put it into action this week. Help us, Lord. <laughs> well, a reminder, what time's church next Sunday morning? 10 yes, 10 a.m. It's going to be fantastic. Thanksgiving Sunday, 10 a.m. next Sunday. And please don't forget to RSVP for the volunteers. Appreciation lunch is also next Sunday. RSVP today, that would be fantastic. And tonight we've got Pastor Sheridan speaking, 6 p.m. So pray that he's awake and ready to go. It's going to be awesome tonight, 6 p.m. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for giving. It's fantastic that we can be purposed in our giving together. God, I declare your blessing upon your church. Thank you, God, that we are blessed to be a blessing. Thank you, God, for for these finances that that we give to you. And God, we ask that you would multiply them. God, we thank you uh, that you uh, make an impact through finances. God, that you multiply that and that you impact lives through our um, giving. Bless your church in Jesus' name. Don't forget the uh, giving stations are out the doors on your left as you exit. And if you are here for the first time, please pick up a guest bag on your right out in the foyer there. It's been fantastic having you with us today. Let's sing a song to finish, eh? Yeah. Fantastic. Have a wonderful day. Awesome. Jump back to your feet, church.